Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet America. Right now, they're running a promotion for current players, where if you place a bet of $5 or more, you'll receive $20 in free bets. All you've got to do is opt into the promotion. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See the website for details. And joining me later on in the show to talk about college football bowl action is Covering the Numbers podcast host, Matthew Peralt. But first, bowl season is upon us, and it's both a joyous as well as somber time of the year. It's joyous because we've got awesome bowl games going on for the next month. It's somber because we can see the finish line for the college football season. Because the season is nearing its end, it can be natural to get a little loose and casual with our bets and bankroll. I do want to caution you, though. Betting bowl season is different for one reason. The quantity of games. In a given week, there are usually around 50 games or so that we can choose from. You can be very selective on what action that you like. However, with bowl season, that is not the case as we have 39 bowl games. You wouldn't bet all 50 games during a given slate, but when it comes to bowl games, there's a good chance you would bet half of them or even all of them. Because of this lack of selection of games, there is a potential for a higher variance for your win-loss record as well as your bankroll. I just want to make sure that you're smart about how you're betting bowl season. You normally wouldn't bet Western Michigan versus Western Kentucky, but in bowl season, you would. Remember, be an informed better. Great cash, homie. Up next, let's get to the Big Mick Moneyline Parlay Bet of the Week. I see they got the Big Mac. I got the Big Mick. We're nine and two during the season. With this one, I've got a four-team parlay for you. A $10 bet wins $9.17. Up first, let's head to Thursday night. We've got the Ravens taking on the Jets. Ravens, I'm going to take them minus 10-10. We also have a huge rivalry game this weekend in college football. We've got Army-Navy. Give me Navy minus 430. Also, moving to Sunday, give me the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos. Chiefs minus 515. And lastly, the 49ers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. I'll take the 49ers minus 540. I also wanted to add in the Patriots to this bet, but somehow I screwed that up and I placed the bet with just this before I got the Patriots action in, even though I thought I did. Nonetheless, Welcome to the life of a sports better. We've all made mistakes in sports betting. And in this one, I just didn't add a game. If you've got a big Mick Moneyline parlay going this week, I would love to see it. Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy. The ceiling is the roof. Before we get to the games, from our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's SHARP25 
for 25% off any product. All the band is out on the field! I'm a man. I'm 40. To help you be a more informed better this college football bowl season, joining me on the show is Matt Peralt, host of the Covering the Numbers podcast and pushing the odds on SB Nation Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Sport Talk, Sports Talk Matt. Matt, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate the time to be here. So first thing I want to talk about is a potential hedging opportunity that Greg Lede, a member of the Sharp 600 community, has. And here's what he said. Here's a question for the sports gamblers out there. Would you hedge this? He has a future, a $100 future on LSU plus $3,300. So a $100 bet pays out $3,300. And here's the kicker. He is also an LSU fan. So, Matt, I'm curious on your end, in general, do you typically hedge or what are your thoughts on hedging? I think there are two, people, two types of people who actually like sports gambling. There's either gamblers or people who like money. There's two types of people. So, like, I tell this story a lot on my radio show. I have a younger brother who's 26 years old who – when I tell him to hedge a bet, like he'll go in game, for instance, in game with the Giants and the Eagles last week. Giants down seven or up 17 3 on the Eagles. He bets the Eagles plus 500 to win, right? So it goes to overtime. And I tell him, look it, why don't you just play the other side? Get your, make sure you cover the first bet and then you know you have guaranteed money. He's like, no, why, why would I do that? I don't want to do that. I'm going to let it ride. No, it worked out for him. Obviously, the Eagles win. He cashes the plus 500. But I am a hedger, okay? I am someone who likes money. This is very hard. What we do every day when it comes, if you do gamble every day, it's really hard, okay? It's hard to get to 53%. That's our goal. So anytime I have a chance to at least protect my initial investment, I am 100% going to do that to protect my bankroll. So if look, there's four teams that are in, the college football playoffs. He's got one that's going to win him $3,300. So if I'm this gambler, take the money you need to win 100 bucks on the other three teams and make bets on the other three teams to at least protect the $100. You may go more if you want, but at least make sure you get your money back and you aren't going to lose any money if LSU does get upset, which, by the way, sorry to tell you, I think they're going to get upset. So that would be the way I would approach this Keep the 3300 roll going, and if it cashes, let's say you just put out $300 on the other three teams, so you're out 400 to make 3300 well, then you're in the plus big time. So that's how I approach it. It's money management. It's bankroll management that I think a lot of people get. They either forget about it or they don't pay attention to it. It's a massive, massive part of this game that we all play that you got to keep yourself disciplined. And to me, hedging is a great way of doing it and protecting your bankroll. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think oftentimes with hedging, you look at the size of the potential hedge opportunity, depending on what your unit is. But $3,300 is nothing small amount. It's a good amount. So my yeah. initial thought process was, all right, he's an LSU fan. What I would do is I would hedge and take the money to buy a flight and tickets to the game. So I don't care about necessarily the $100 investment. I'm like, all right, what's worst case scenario? Well, worst case scenario is I get to go to the game and see this, and I actually would hedge after the Oklahoma game. Given the size that it is, I think that 
there's a greater opportunity there. So I'd be a little bit risky, but I completely agree with your mindset on it because at the end of the day, when Greg made this bet, what would he say? Would I like a positive outcome where I make money on this bet? If the answer is yes, which it always is yes, boom, here's this opportunity right now. So I'm with you. I would hedge because for me being the entertainment better, I would hedge in the name of entertainment. And oh, by the way, if they also win, oh, here's another couple grand that I've added to my bankroll. Yeah, it, it's a win-win situation. It's an awesome place to be. And look, I understand the thought process of I've gone this far. I need two more wins. Why am I putting out extra money? But realistically, you don't have to put out that much more money in order to guarantee yourself to make the money back. So you just have to do the math on it as to, and I don't really hate your thought process of waiting to see if LSU wins the Oklahoma game, which they probably will, and they win that, and then it's really only a one-game situation, and you're going to bet against LSU in the Ohio State game, like you're talking about, to get the trip to go to the title game. Whatever that investment's going to cost you, you go ahead and bet it on the Ohio State side of things to make that money back. So I, I don't mind waiting, but I just think the likelihood of LSU winning two games, I, I'm, I'm very careful and cautious here with this LSU team because of their defense. And I think both Clemson and Ohio State's defenses are good enough to slow down LSU enough. And, they, and that LSU defense has played well the last two weeks. But man, oh man, I think Ohio State and Clemson are licking their chops to face that LSU defense. All right, so let's get to that as our transition and talk about those two games in sort of some early look in this. So we've got LSU laying 13 and a half, taking on Oklahoma over under 75 and a half, and all of the action has been on LSU. And LSU is the fifth double-digit favorite in college football playoff history. And my thought process traditionally as someone who likes to get points is like, man, that's a lot of points to be given Oklahoma from what I'm seeing. A lot of power ratings are making this like a seven and a half or an eight point game. So you're getting almost a touchdown of value. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a high scoring game. Thus the total. And we've seen LSU get into a 46-41 type game with Alabama. It won't surprise me in the least if that's what the Oklahoma game is going to wind up. I think this is too many points, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm like you. I want the points. I'm going to wait until this thing gets over 14. And I think it's going to get there. I, I think over the next two weeks, the public is going to come in and bet LSU like crazy. And I'll probably be on Oklahoma in the under in, in this game by the time kickoff rolls around and just let this number inflate, inflate, inflate. Look, Oklahoma's not great, but they also aren't horrible either. And Jalen Hurts is a good coach. Lincoln Riley's a good – I mean, Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. Lincoln Riley's a good coach. And, and their defense, while not great, it's good enough to keep them, I think, within 10 points of LSU. Joe Burrow's got the whole Heisman thing going on. So, uh, I, I'm a little concerned about the layoff for LSU. I don't like this layoff with all the hype and all the banquet circuits and all the – attention Davey O'Brien award everything else LSU is getting it's quite easy for a college kid who's hearing his name as the number one pick in the draft to start to think about the future a little bit too soon so I, I think LSU does win the game but I want that thing at 14 or higher and I'll take Oklahoma also of note in the history of the college football playoff the number one seed has never won the national championship also the favored team has won nine of 15 games in the playoff all right moving on to ohio state clemson and clemson favored by two over under 63 and for me this is obviously the most attractive game because both of these teams whoever goes on 
I think has a legitimate shot. So I see this as a three-team race, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State. The challenge being it's hard to pick between Clemson and Ohio State, and my lean would be Clemson just based on everything that I've seen in the previous years of Clemson. They traditionally have found a way to win, and they seem like Clemson is the number one program, no longer Alabama. This is really hard because of who Clemson has played. The Tigers are angry, all right? So what, what is interesting about this is the environment around Ohio State Clemson. So Clemson gets the nod from the bookmakers as being the favorite, which is what I think most pro bettors would say. Power ratings say it. Clemson's had this amazing run over the last three years. And so they've recruited at a really high level. They're annihilating everyone they're playing, but they haven't faced a stiff win since North Carolina. And North Carolina is not that great of a team. So it's like, okay, how good is this Clemson team? And what happens when they face some adversity? Because they haven't seen it, and they're going to face adversity. This is a game where who gets the ball first, who scores first, and who plays with the lead, I think it's a huge factor in this game. So I'm not going to go too heavy in this. I probably will, will side with Ohio State on this, but not that deep. I want it at three, though. If I can get the three, I'm really, really interested in Ohio State. But Clemson's offense, I mean, Travis Etienne in the court, Trevor Lawrence, I mean, they just they got such great weapons. But Ohio State's defense, that entire defense, starting 11, is going to play on Sunday. And they haven't seen a defense like that. They haven't seen a Chase Young come around the corner and destroy their quarterback. So I'm concerned a little bit about the level of competition for Clemson. And it might take them a quarter to fully get ramped up to meet Ohio State's, no, not talent, but just how, how well Ohio State's been playing this season. So this game's tough to handicap. It's tough to determine. Clemson, I think, could win this game, but I, I still think Ohio State is really live here as long as Justin Fields does not turn the football over. What are your thoughts on choosing uh, both Ohio State and Clemson to win the national title? So looking at it right now, LSU plus 127, Clemson plus 240, Ohio State plus 255, Oklahoma plus 1450. So I'm like, all right, so no number one is one. I can't really choose between Ohio State and Clemson. They're both at over plus 200. Would it make sense to say, you know what, let's roll the dice and get both of them? I love that. Look, I think the Ohio State-Clemson game is the national championship game. I think the winner of that game wins it all, and I don't mean to totally disrespect LSU. I just That defense for LSU scares me a lot, and I, I know against Texas A&M they've played really well, but Georgia's offense is bad. You, you can't say, well, they shut down Georgia. Georgia was bad. They were banged up going into the game. They got banged up during the game, and, and, they, and they won it relatively easily. But LSU is the best team in the SEC, but this is the Big 12 you know, the SEC masquerading as the Big 12 this season. I mean, nobody's playing defense right now in that conference outside of Georgia. And like I mentioned, Georgia's offense was so banged up that it kept their defense on the field for most of the game in Atlanta. So I just think Ohio State and Clemson are just a lot better. And I think both those two teams, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's a 2-3 matchup. They had to do it in some way. I don't have a problem with LSU being number one. Their resume is incredible. But I think the winner of Ohio State-Clemson wins it all. So I don't hate that play at all. All right, so let's get it on this. 
So many of us are going to be playing college football bowl confidence pools where there's all of the games listed and one to 39 or whatever the number is. And you have to rank your confidence in it. And traditionally it's just win loss, not anything against the spread. So I want to talk about a little bit of strategy with this because the most common square thinking of this is let me look at the point spread and whoever's going to be the favorite is what the overwhelming majority is going to be. And then you're going to look and there's some games like UCF taking on Marshall, which is at over 14 or maybe it's 17, something like that. So those are traditionally going to be higher. So uh, your wife or girlfriend may actually play this as well and literally just go down the line and see what the most uh, favorited picks are. But that's not likely to win you your pool because that's the way that everybody else thinks. So I'm curious on your mindset of the strategy of this. Well, first, you have to read up on what the team's approach is going to be for the bowl game. So some teams are very business-like. The bowl games are business trips. Other teams go for fun. Other teams, it's a reward for their seniors. It's a send-off for the year. Congratulations, guys. Great work. Those are the teams you've got to be wary of, wary of because those are the teams tend to – they don't practice very hard, they don't watch film, they get into a bowl game, and they get blown out. Additionally, how many players are declaring for the NFL draft? You've got to watch that. And what happens with coaching staffs? If you're seeing mass exoduses of assistant coaches or even head coaches who are leaving, you've got to be very careful because these are college kids and they're going to be emotional. They're losing the guy who brought them to that school most likely, recruited them from high school, and now they've left and gone somewhere else. And that kid might feel like, what, what's going to happen for me next year? Do I have to transfer? So if you do your homework, don't look. I don't look at point spreads really at all when it comes to bowl games. I don't really care. I, I, I look at coaching, transfers, where the bowl game is being played, what type of year. Like Alabama is the most easiest test case of this, right? So Bama's going to have a mass exodus of players going to the NFL draft. They could have other assistant coaches. If you believe the reports that new Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin wants to go ahead and pillage the Alabama coaching staff and pull a bunch of guys off that staff. Michigan is live in that game. Harbaugh needs that game. That is not a – that is a – a business trip for Michigan to go up against Alabama to quiet down some of the critics. If you could beat Alabama in a bowl game, can't beat Ohio state, but beats Bama even without Tua would be huge. So if you do your research, don't look at point spreads. I think you have to just look at how the team played at the end of the year, injuries, transfers, who's being hired away and who's going to the draft. And you should have a pretty good idea as to what the game's going to look like. I think another thing you need to think about is how many people are in this pool. If you're sitting there with only 20 or 30, as opposed to thousands, it's going to show yeah, sort of true. what your risk tolerance is going to be because the smaller the pool, the greater the opportunity. So if, if you can be more informed and I love your thought process here. One thing I'm curious about though, is for those of us who are going to look at the spreads, because I think it's a common thing that most people are going to do. How much does Vegas take these things into consideration? So use the example of Alabama, Michigan, and I believe the line was like seven or something like that. So you would look at it and you're like, all right, well, the motivation for Michigan is significantly more, but how much of that is factored into the line so that we can at least read that as something? I think there's a couple things that books, just talking to bookmakers here in Vegas about how they're putting together bowl lines. They're always bracing for where the public's going to go. So they're always shading to one side or the other when it comes to key numbers, whether it be three, seven, 10, 14. So you've got to be a little wary if, if they're going to overvalue a team like an Alabama because Alabama betters are going to come in and say, oh, Alabama or Michigan all day long. We're going to go ahead and 
taking Alabama. It's the Crimson Tide. You know, Michigan, you know, Harbaugh's lost a bunch of games this year. So they're always going to inflate the lines a little bit until we get closer to kickoff. So if you're going to bet the game with the bowl games, you got to wait. There really isn't any value, in my opinion, of betting bowl games early because I was talking about a future wager for, you know, for a college football playoff situation because you're going to have a lot of these books understand what the public's going to do right before kickoff. So you got to wait and see how, how that line's going to play out and on what side of key numbers it's going to wind up falling. So I, I think books understand what the public's going to do. They put the number up because of that. And so there is, I would say, wait, 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 circle games. And before they kick off, come in about an hour before kickoff. Another thing to add to this, I think there's a good opportunity in games where the line is like minus three and a half because you're going to look at the overwhelming majority. The majority is going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go with the favorite here. And with the line that small, there's a good opportunity to have the contrarian mindset and be like, well, crap, we know that there's a live dog there. So think to yourself, how many live dog situations do you have on the smaller opportunities. And maybe if you're looking in these larger polls, maybe those are some of your higher confidence games where you say, listen, I'm going to roll the dice as opposed to saying, let me take Marshall as a 17 point dog as a high one. Use these little three and a half point uh, games as an opportunity to differentiate yourself. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I also think you can use those smaller lines and then dive a little deeper into what the storyline, what the narrative kind of is around the game. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of pro betters like to say, look, I don't give a crap about narrative. Narrative means nothing. My numbers, my numbers, my numbers. Bowl games are different in my opinion because of the layoff, because of the location change. What, you know, do fan bases travel, right? If you're going to a bowl game where it's like 75% of the other team, it's like a road game for them. And so it's, it's a little bit more deflating that, okay, that team's got all this support. We have none. I mean, bowl games, essentially, I mean, these are exhibitions at the end of the day, you know, really don't matter all that much. And teams love to win bowl trophies and, and, and win bowl games, but it's more the coaches that matter, right? The coaches are the ones who are getting the bowl bonuses and, and, and the big check at the end of the year for winning these games. So you, you got to, the smaller lines, I think are great opportunities because that to me tells me the book isn't really sure which team should be favored when we're getting two and a half, three and a half point lines. Matt, love your sports betting mindset. Where can everybody connect with you? At Sports Talk Matt on Twitter is the best. Instagram at Sports Talk Matt as well. You can always, uh, if you like the internet, SBNationLive.com is the way to stream my radio show or go to TuneIn, search the Better Network, and you can find Pushing the Odds on, on TuneIn. And I want to hear from you. Would you hedge the LSU bet? Also, do you have any early action on the college football playoff? And what are your thoughts around strategy with bowl confidence pools? You can hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy. Make sure to use hashtag Sharp600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag at Covers. And every week we say, when you subscribe, rate, and review, we will show you love for showing us love. And I want to give a shout out to Mullerin, who gave us five stars and said Sharp 600 covers the action. Rob Cressy covers sports betting in an interesting and refreshing way, discussing all the angles and even some free plays, including his big Mick bet of the week. Highly recommend. Mullerin, I appreciate you very much. Thank you for being part of our community. Also, make sure to check into Bet America for the $1,000 risk free bet. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. 
be disciplined with your money management. The Funkadelic Devil hits you with the rap level of 10. The one, two, three, your pen. I get action. So everybody jump with your rope. Cause you like the way the sound pump pump it in your black trunk. And let loose with the juice when I do rock. I'm too hot. Some say I got more juice than two pops.